Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Brews and Bruins podcast. That is number 20 for Daniel Paye, or perhaps more importantly for 2020, the year that the Liverpool Reds broke the 30-year wait, their first ever Premier League championship. Chris and I are going crazy. Drew doesn't even know what sport we're talking about. We're here to talk about some soccer and some hockey. I'm going to start it off right here with a toast to the Reds. That was a shot Cheers. glass right there. Chris, I didn't know we were doing a shot. Proper so toast. I, I proper toast. One, but I did take terrible. a swig of a very proper high toast. alcohol content beer. <laughs> He's an old yeah. soul. Chris wow. is actually wow. wow feeling attacked. Chris is bare, so they have never <laughs> Liverpool have never won a, a title in Chris's lifetime. I mean, none of ours, but just barely. Chris hit that. So <laughs> it's been barely. forty-seven years. Um, no. Fort I do want to say a couple things Just about uh, this team that Chris and I love, and Drew is still he's googling right now, trying to figure out. It's no, not. Rugby. I know he's Liverpool won the, the BPL. Like I, I understand, the, they, they did the good EPL. soccer this year. They did. Uh, they did good soccer. Uh, I have a couple things I want to say. To English that. Bri- kind of English Premier League, British Premier League. It's the fucking same. It's just <laughs> yeah. It's Drew big, just big sponsors guy. <laughs> Yeah, um, he never calls it Boston really Garden. Loves sponsors, so he's going with Barclays Premier League. Um, <laughs> but yeah, introduce yourself, gentlemen. Uh, my name is Drew Johnson. Hello again. I am very hungover, and I'm going to start drinking again. So we'll see what happens. I am drinking a Funky Bow Brewery and Beer Company. Funky Bow. It's called So Falcon Hoppy IPA. Falcon. It's got a. It's got a guitar on it. Like folk music. But they, they're, it's like they're saying fucking, you know? Um, nice. <laughs> just in case you didn't get that. Uh, it's from Lime in Maine. You know, put the lime in the coconut Maine. And, uh, yeah, no, it's good. Um, I've had a few of these. I had a few of these last night, and that's why I'm hungover. <laughs> uh, plus, plus probably the, uh, the vodka sodas at the end were not a good call. S- spun into bed. It's fun. <laughs> so that's right. what's going on in my life. How about sounds, you, Chris? Sounds great. <laughs> Chris Gear, Stone Soaring Dragon Imperial IPA with white tea. It sounds like you're talking into like a computer Are or like a robot phone call. Okay. Tap, tap your foot twice if, if you're in trouble. <laughs> if anyone's right. kidnapping him, it's you, Drew. So. Back to yes. Cameron. Um, Cameron. All right, we're going to get to that eventually, I guess. Um, no, we just did. <laughs> oh, That's Sorry, all the content I, I have on that. That's it. That's all for tonight. I am drinking a none such red for the Reds. That's why I picked it up today on the way home. 
Uh, it's an Irish style ale, ironically. <laughs> no, not English, but, <laughs> but I appreciated it. I also started reading the label on this one. I'm a big label reader, in case you haven't been able to tell from our first 19 episodes. Um, Does it have anything to do with None Such Records? Uh, no, I don't think so. Although there's a nice golf course called None Such Golf Course. None Such River, I think, actually. Well, uh, fun fact, that is the record label of one... Black Keys. Oh, maybe it is. I Wh- it which might album? Be, I don't know. Or is it just all of their shit? Um, I'm, I don't think it's all of them. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Brothers, so that might really? have been the first one off on on that. And really? I think wow. I believe they're, I, I believe they're like, if they're not founding members of the label, they're at least like very high up there because I know Dan Auerbach does a lot of their recordings in his studio and a lot of the label mates go through him they're they're the founding fathers one of the founding fathers founding brothers if you will brothers ah great album if anyone very nice has heard of it or hasn't heard of it listen to it (laughs) yeah go for it whether you've listened to it or not do it right now stop listening to us and just toss on brothers we usually just tell people no no just edit the whole album into (laughs) (laughs) All right, next up is Unknown Brother. This is a great song. Tighten Um, up. We'll we'll, we'll sing the whole thing, Chris. Yeah, Ten Cent Pistol. Uh, Uh, Sinister Kid. Sinister Kid. Born with the broken hand. Okay. Uh, Cam, howling for you. Take us somewhere. I was talking about the label, and I don't even know how we got here. You've seen uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a a game where they, uh, well, classic game. They don't really do it anymore, but where they could only speak in song titles. Mm -hmm. But they had to, like, make the conversation somewhat make sense. I would love to do that. I'm not creative enough or fast enough on my feet to be able to do that kind of thing. I could maybe do it with song titles, but I I tried out for improv one time. It did not go well. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, no, that's some hard shit. I could do a simple game like that, but if I have to try to create a scene, no fucking way. Yeah, no, it's it's tough shit. By the way, uh, Who's Line, great show. Uh, everyone, check that out. We'll we'll edit an episode in the middle of this episode. <laughs> yes, We're just introducing our new YouTube channel, so now you can watch. <laughs> oh, God, if we ever did that. Um, I just realized they didn't actually talk about the beer at all. It's pretty good. It's, a, it's an Irish-style ale, definitely a darker. Uh, it's described as an American take on the Emerald Iron Classic. A fugle? F-U-G-G-L-E. I've never seen that word number. Oh, F U G G L E. Yeah, that's Fuggle, Fugle. I don't know. I would say Fuggle. Fuggle oh. hopped for an earthy start to a richy, richly roasted finish. Um, says it pairs well with pizzas and pasta. <laughs> a drinkable so, beer you can. It's taste. got the a drinkable beer you can taste. <laughs> sponsored by David Pasternak, apparently. I don't know. All right, that's that's absolutely our our new runner. <laughs> a drinkable beer you can taste. It's so good. I know. The description of every beer is just going to be a drinkable beer you a can taste. A drinkable beer you can taste. Shout out Sam. The what, Stone's what, Soaring Sam Dragon I, uh, Imperial IPA. IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Sam Adams. I don't know if it was the IPA, was it the though. 76? It was It was the yeah, 76. It was the Sam yeah. 76. Yeah, that's yeah. an IPA. Which is a decent for, like, Sam Adams. You know what I mean? It's for, like, a, a not, like, top-shelf beer. It's pretty good stuff. It's just they could have gotten... Obviously, I mean, we a little bit more descriptive. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about Sam Adams on the pod, but for we my for money, sure like Sam Adams Boston Lager is like the best mass-produced 
lager beer Mass out there. Mass produced. Uh, I'm not a huge lager hey. guy. Hey. So. Yeah, I mean, me, me neither, but it's, uh, well, I mean, you with the, the whole gluten thing, probably not the best idea to be yeah. like pounding a bunch of buds, but yeah, I mean. No, I have one lined up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pound a bunch of them, but I, I mean, like, if you're, if you're drinking lagers, I feel like Sam Boston is the best one, and and for like a big brewery, uh, they they put out a lot of pretty good beers, and I, I mean like the the Rebel IPA was pretty good, um, and and a lot of their seasonal stuff is really I, re- I really, really like the seventy six the seventy six I discovered that when I was at a Foo Fighters concert, like it's a drinkable it beer at, you can taste, yeah, dude. Fuck it. It was at Fenway, and they like it was clearly Sam Adams was just like sponsoring it. I think it just recently came out, and they were pushing it really hard. So it was like you could drink that, and then there was like one other beer at like the beer stands and shit. So I was like, I'll try this. Yeah, the end of the night was blurry, so they must have been pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't necessarily mean anything. It means I. I've, it means I drink a lot. It means quite literally food. nothing. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've I don't even know of, if it was drinkable or tasteable by the end. <laughs> I've had plenty of blurry nights on Natty Ice, and I think we oh, all no. understand oh, that, no. <laughs> that is not a drinkable beer that you can taste. You can taste it. I don't know if it's drinkable. Uh, <laughs> um. So before we get into the Bruins talk, I want to just savor this Liverpool stuff for anyone who listens. I want to just talk I mean, about we, this. I don't know if we, I don't know if we have Bruins talk. We'll, I do have we'll, a little we'll, bit to talk. We'll about. get there. We'll I, get there. We always do. We'll I probably end up talking about something that we weren't expecting to talk about. But I, I think, think this whole this whole beginning of the podcast has not been expected. That's kind of how yeah, it goes. We we have no show notes. We have nothing uh, that we're yeah, supposed to talk I, about. We're just. I think I it. I kind of mentioned this a couple episodes ago, like. For those of you who who don't you know listen to every episode, like we usually have very 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 brief show notes, like literally bullet points with like no more than a sentence. Like a sentence is rare; it's usually just a word, and we kind of just bullet, go off. Bullet, right bullet points is being uh, generous too, because yeah. sometimes it's just one. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. And and so today, I literally just got home from work. I think Chris just got back a little while, or you know, stopped working a little while. We we just like fucking totally are winging it today. So there's no plan of attack whatsoever. Yeah, I'm I'm back at work like physically. So nice, congratulations. I had to go to work. Yeah, I think. Still uh-huh. not drunk. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> nice. This is a really rough morning, bro. Very nice. But, very uh, nice. T- to to phone. be honest, uh, to to be completely candid, I have not opened the show notes document for the last four episodes. So mm-hmm. that's true. Um, We've been kind of winging. I don't think I have either, to be honest with you. <clears throat> but maybe we'll bring it back next week. A little I, yeah, I actually, I actually deleted the Google Doc. So I it's can't tell if you're long. kidding or not. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Don't it was so long ago. <laughs> he was drunk on too many drinkable beers that he No, nah, it's still there. It's, it's probably just still says like episode 14 at the header. Yeah. Well, not to make this a, a show notes podcast, but, uh, you know. Yeah. So I, I think eventually, like, just mm-hmm. verbal show notes, I think eventually we should probably get around to talking about the Hall of Fame inductees. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Basically, and just Jerome McGinley. Ba- Boston Bruins legend no, Jerome McGinley. Um, but first, let's talk about what just happened because I got to talk to Chris about this, and everybody listening is just going right, to have to tag along here. That's fine. That. <laughs> so, 
I don't know exactly about your path to the Liverpool fandom, but I've started following them, what is it, 2020? Probably about, <clears throat> I would guess, six or seven years ago, I think. Probably, like, late high school for me. Um, I think, it, actually, you know what it was? It was, yeah, probably probably about seven years ago. Um had always been a fan of international soccer. Kind of was one of those like classic Americans who like turned into the World Cup, but like didn't really care for uh, you know club soccer at all. Decided, hey, this is pretty cool. It's an awesome sport. I'm gonna try to get into it. Naturally, I went to the Premier League, and I was like, which team am I gonna follow? Um, and of course, having been a Boston sports fan um, with John Henry and Fenway Sports Group owning Liverpool, I was like, oh, I gotta go start following Liverpool. Started doing that. Um, and to be fair, like they were a decent team, obviously a, a rich history and had some absolutely disgusting teams, uh, in the 1900s and such, but not a, I, I wouldn't consider myself a front runner. I think they were like a Europa league team when I first started following them. Uh, <clears throat> and since then we've come a, a very long way. I'm going to have to cut this out. Is Chris frozen? I think Chris is frozen. <laughs> Am I? Oh, you were frozen for a second there. <laughs> you were frozen on my screen, so I was like, I don't know. It was confusing me. All right, just keep continuing. <clears throat> we'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they were a Europa League team when I first started following. It was pretty much right at the start of, like, the Jurgen Klopp era. And <clears throat> having never watched, like, followed a soccer team before or a football team, for those British listeners out there, we had a couple of them. Um I don't think I realized right off the bat how lucky I was to follow a team that was managed by Jurgen Klopp. I mean this with the most respect to every other good coach out there, but I genuinely do not think there is a better coach in the world in any sport than Jurgen Klopp. He has just such a unique blend of just a mastery of the game that he teaches, but also just an ability to connect with his players. You, the thing that everybody mentions, whether it's media or the team themselves over the last two years, really, <clears throat> especially this season, is the idea of this team being mentality monsters. And that comes from the manager, which for those of you who are um, fully American fans, the manager is just like the head coach, except they have like kind of like manager or like coach and GM roles kind of combined for European soccer. They pretty much run the club. Uh, as far as the the actual football slash soccer operations go. But this is a guy, even if you're not a sports fan, which obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you are, but even if you're not a sports fan, this is somebody that you can learn something from. He has been handling the pandemic. Everything everything that I've ever seen him handle is with extreme class and just just genuine genuine human connection. Like He really cares for the people, not only just on his team, but all of the, the you know the Liverpool family and just the community and the world as a whole. Um, I've listened to a couple interviews with him with um, <clears throat> the team over at Men in Blazers, which another phenomenal podcast and TV show that any soccer fans should check out. Um, but Roger Bennett from there did an interview with Jurgen Klopp uh, last season during the title race when Liverpool lost to Manchester City, and. That interview just, like, floored me. Just the the level of person that he is. There there was one question he asked where pretty much, you know, he said, you know, asking about the title race and what it would mean to win and things like that. And if they don't win, you know, what's going to happen, kind of what he was telling the team. And this line really sticks with me. Jurgen said, 
you know, we're going to pretty much do as best as we can, <clears throat> try our best, that sort of thing. But if you're going to fail, fail in the most beautiful way. And I feel like anyone who, like, watches sports, that's just, like, that just hit me in the heartstrings as a sports fan. Um, I don't know. It just really stuck with me. Maybe I just got too gushy over it. But, like, it, it really was like, you know what? Like, give it your all. Do what you can. Play with pride. Play with passion. And if it doesn't work out, not even just in sports, but just in life, if it doesn't work out, like, know that you left it all out there and you did it with integrity. And I feel like that's just such a a big lesson. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Chris, I'll send it to you. This team has been just absolutely ridiculous to watch throughout this season. Uh, obviously winning the Champions League last year and then um, now getting around to the domestic title. Just absolute dominance. I, I've really fallen in love with this team. Yeah, I mean, so for me, like a little backstory on on – how I, I guess I didn't really, I don't have a good how I became a Liverpool fan. Just it mostly <clears throat> uh, loved Steven Gerrard and uh, Fernando Torres, and I kind of yeah. ended up latching on to that 08 09 team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you get a, like a big personality like Luis Torres, a couple of, uh, Luis, uh, holy Luis shit. Luis Suarez, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Luis Suarez, uh, a, couple, a couple of years later. And I mean, that's kind of, uh, kind of cemented my, my fandom but I, I i didn't follow them as closely as you did probably for so like i've been a quote-unquote fan for like a longer period of time but you are definitely a much bigger <laughs> more informed fan i just I got really into it man i love it <laughs> um so like the past maybe two or three years of like the ones where i've actually been able to follow the team the most mm-hmm. just because I don't know over a lot of a long period of time. Like it's it's hard to follow a sport in a different country, especially on different time zones. Yeah, the seven fifteen a.m. Um, games are tough. I feel that. Yeah, but uh, here, especially on like a Sunday or a Saturday when nothing else is going on, just like waking up and watching some some soccer in the morning is always a really nice thing. And and this year especially, I watched almost every match that I could that I wasn't like physically at work for. Um, and man, yeah, the, this team, it's, it's one of those teams, like it harkens back to like some of my favorite Boston sports teams, like the 2008 Celtics or the 2011 Bruins, the, those teams were just like, you know, every player on that roster and you just like, man, I love this guy. Like I could, yeah. I could talk about this guy for fucking ever. And, and it, it's just like a bunch of really good personalities and, obviously just a stacked cast of just world-class athletes and it's just uh, especially after last year just kind of like having that opportunity to win both the champions league and the premier league and kind of falling short on that and and feeling like all right this this was the team this was the opportunity but i mean you bring back a lot of those guys and and feel like yeah we, we got a pretty good chance this year and then to have this whole pandemic thing take away that opportunity and uh yeah i mean i I guess the the one thing is like it just kind of feels a little uh anticlimactic to win in in this fashion just uh i I mean any way is a good way obviously but would have loved to have done it on the field with fans in the stands especially at anfield um but i mean you can't complain. Beggars can't yeah. be choosers here. Yeah, that's one of the things that to me is just like so crazy. Like 
So obviously, like I'm stoked about this this title and stuff. But to me, it's always crazy. We saw this with Liverpool. We saw it. I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it finished with Manchester City last year. I blocked it out. But I remember when Leicester City won it. It was the same way. Where because they don't have a playoffs, you can win without actually being on the field. So today it was Chelsea beating Manchester City that officially eliminated Man City, giving the title Liverpool. So it's like they win the championship and like American sports fans are so used to that idea of like being, you know, on the ice or on the field and you watch the celebration. Like these guys were all just having a party at somebody's house with I mean, I'm sure they had like copious amounts of alcohol with them. And it looked <laughs> like they did. But like the t- videos they're tweeting out isn't like rushing onto the field or onto the ice. It's just like them like at somebody's house just like losing their shit, which is awesome. I'm sure for them it's kind of cool cuz like I don't know. I'm sure it's awesome for anybody winning a championship in front of tens of thousands of fans. Got to be cool. But at the same time, it's like I'm sure there's something kind of uniquely special about just having the people who actually did it. And you can celebrate. I mean, there's still seven games left in the season. They just set a record for the you know the most games left while they still had already clinched by two so, games, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So I guess well, to uh, to be fair, there's not fans in the stands. So under normal circumstances. They would have the next seven games to celebrate with their fans. So having that kind of kind of private like celebration beforehand has got to be cool. But it is such a weird thing as an American sports. I mean, Drew, like you've been quiet for a while because you're not a soccer guy. But chime in. Well, here. no, like, I have some Liverpool. Can you imagine you know, like? So <laughs> people keep saying that Liverpool fans live in the past, but what a past between 1964 and 1990. <laughs> <Here we> <laughs> The Reds won 13 league championships, four FA Cups, four league cups, two UEFA Cups, four European Cups, and one Super Cup. There were great games, great managers, and even greater players. Callaghan, Yeats, Highway, Sonus, Dalgish, uh, Keegan, Toshak, Smith, Ray Kennedy, Hunt, McDermott, Case, Alan Kennedy, Fairclough, Barnes, Beards, uh, Beardsley. This might have been my favorite moment of the entire podcast. Uh, there's no doubt that Liverpool have successfully pulled themselves out of the doom and gloom of the 1990s. Gerard Holy, uh, yeah, no, that's a Bleacher Report article from uh, 2008. That is uh, sh- shout out Karen Patel for the uh, for the words there. That might be my favorite moment of the podcast, but um, <laughs> I mean, I have a couple things to say. So, first of all, what Chris was saying earlier, uh, besides just the the Fenway Sports Group connection, obviously John Henry, who owns the Red Sox, runs Fenway Sports Group. Um, they are the primary owners of Liverpool. That's kind of one of the reasons that I was dragged into them. Like you go on to Nesson's website, and it's like, you know, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics, and then Patriots, and then Liverpool. It's like right along with the- LeBron James. And LeBron James is also a partial owner. Um, take that as you will. But one of the other reasons that I really fell in love with this team was, especially under Klopp, just the way they play as an American is so appealing to me because I feel like a lot of Americans stray away from soccer because they have this idea that it's like, you know, nil, nil draws. And I don't want to watch a 90 minute game where nobody scores. Like Liverpool you mean is right, the f- right after they just went At, to a nil, nil. That's, that's true. Well, <laughs> they, then they came back and won four nil the next game. So generally like a nil, nil draw for Liverpool is extremely rare. And this is a team that like, they play to, very. To be fair, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. That was like the the game that started up. Yeah, like, yeah. After a, after a hundred and six days. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> but as a as a somebody who's trying to get into soccer and is used to sports like hockey, where it's constant action and things like that, they are a team that has a constant press. It's always attacking. Like 
they there is not a second in the game where they let their foot off the gas. It is always constantly they're on the ball, they're pushing, they're pushing. They have obviously like ridiculously talented strikers and forwards and midfield, you know, the Mo Salas and Roberto Firmino and Sadio Mane, whose jersey I'm wearing right now. Nice. Um, even their and and the, even their defense is like known for their attacking abilities with you know Trent Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson, especially Trent like Trent's such a young guy. He had an absolutely disgusting, un- unsavable shot, and like that's one of if you watch Liverpool games, they're always like this. Their fullbacks, which are primarily those two, Robertson and Alexander Arnold, are always drawing the play. Like they are the ones who are leading the attack, and that's rare. They are kind of like the game. I'm not going to compare them to like Bobby Orr, but in that yeah. similar where it's like fullbacks don't normally play offense. They're kind of the you know the back line of defense with the center backs, and these are guys that really lead the the pace on the attack. You know, in, in a similar willing, similar way that Bobby Orr willing. changed the game there. You know. Yeah, and they're they're willing to give up opportunities going the other way, <laughs> yeah. just to push it. I mean, you, you saw in the match against Everton, uh, Everton had some opportunities to take the lead and, yeah. and perhaps win that match. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that team was still being aggressive, even if uh, Klopp wasn't necessarily uh, substituting so, yeah. in Salah, and, and yeah, he wasn't necessarily trying to win that match more than he was yeah. trying to get a point out of it. But um, it was a tune with, up. with the personnel on the field, like they, they were still being aggressive. Yeah. Even though, Granted you have a world-class defender in like Virgil van Dyke and one of the best keepers in the world in, in Allison behind there. But, but still it's a numbers game, right? You get, you get a, got a lot of guys going the other way. Even the best players in the world aren't going to be able to, it's a team sport like hockey. doesn't also, matter how good one player is. if They have four coming at them. Side note: One of my favorite things, uh, Allison Becker, uh, aside from being a Liverpool goalie, is also an actress uh, known for playing Shauna Malway Tweep in the Parks and Rec series. I did uh, not know that. Yeah, so she she used to be on like MTV way back in the day, or like one of those stations back in the day, like VH1 or something like that. And she used to introduce like music videos, and then she was on. Uh, sports center with kenny main like she was in that like sketch show the main thing i guess and uh then showed up like a decade or two later on uh, parks and rec but uh she she has become a huge liverpool fan just because uh a lot of of people thought it was hilarious that uh she shares a name with with the keeper of uh of liverpool that's pretty awesome um yeah, I, I haven't watched Parks and Rec yet, but I gotta get around to that. Uh, Oof! I know, that is, I know. That, that might be my next. I just finished Archer, so like I may have to slide in there and start up. I've had a couple shows that I'm debating watching. I think I'm a season behind on Archer. The last, ooh, if you're a season behind, watched it because the the latest season has like an actual like storyline development that, which they've kind of ignored for like the past three seasons. So which one? Uh, what's the theme of the last one? It's uh, the space one, like futuristic okay. space. Yeah, I haven't seen that. <laughs> so yet. you were uh, were you on Danger Island? Yeah, that was yeah. The last so one. the next one, you know how like they like had like five seasons of the regular show, and then he just like went into a coma, and then they just did spinoffs. Yep, they actually bring it back at the end of the next season, which was like. I was like, oh, shit, this is a thing. Because I was like, are they just going to do this now? <laughs> like, they kind of had a storyline <laughs> that they just left for fucking three years. But um, 
right, I, I'm gonna closing closing wrap on Liverpool here because Drew's <laughs> Drew's is chilling. Um, Drew's not even here. <laughs> Drew's gone. I love this the club. I just you know what I like following this team from like jumping in. They were like upper middle Premier League, like the start of the Jurgen Klopp era, and even before then, like when Fenway Sports Group purchased Liverpool as the primary owner, like they were kind of in shambles. You know, they were one of the only like kind of considered elite Premier League teams that hadn't actually won the league since it became the Premier League in 1990, and. You know, it's no 86-year wait or, you know, fucking the Cubs, like, over a century. But 30 years for for Liverpool especially is, is pretty crazy. Um, and kind of watching that develop and getting out at the right time. Like, I, you know, they were no powerhouse when I got on. Like I said, my first uh, Liverpool jersey was Felipe Coutinho. <laughs> so, like, that kind of shows you, like... And when they got rid of him, I was like, fuck, we're screwed. And little did I know that we'd bring in the best team in the world, but... Um, just a, a really amazing, fun team to watch, especially as someone who wasn't a huge soccer fan growing up. It's a very easy style of play to get into. And like I said, I would literally die for Jurgen Klopp. This guy is just the perfect coach in terms of strategy, just the type of – I mean, he's literally known for his hugs after the game. Like, after the he's game – He's a personality. He runs out and just, like, hugs the shit out of his players. Like, I would, I would give an arm and a leg to, like, hug this man with my other one arm, I guess. Also but, well known for his fist pumps. Yeah, at big time he gets so excited during these very like passionate during the games, but then like after the games, like he's not like Jose Mourinho where he's like kind of fucking insane at the same time. He's just like a very like well tempered person and like like when the coronavirus thing like started, he was very much like, Yeah, there's no reason we should be playing. Like obviously this is important to us and you know, they were on pace to obviously win the title. It took them two games since we came back, but they were like that's not important. He, you know, he was very much stressing like football is the most important of the least important things. Like there are way bigger issues right now. And I think as someone who's obviously commanding one of the most famous clubs in the world, and like with all that money coming through, it can be very easy to get lost in the other side of things. So kind of just to have that human understanding was was very refreshing. But thirty years later. Here they are. Hey, <laughs> cheers. Cheers, bud. Let's talk about some hockey. Uh, before we get into hockey. Psych. <laughs> my uh, my camera uh, fixed itself. It did. I, I no did. longer look like I'm in the love shack. Uh, Which is kind of disappointing, if we're being honest. Yeah, I know. I kind of wanted that. To, I, I don't know why that happened, and I don't know why it went away, but. But I'm happy about it. Yeah, it was, it was like a weird, like pink and yellow filter that just made everything look like the '70s, and I had like a like some kind of lava lamp going on in the room. And it was it was the middle school Instagram filter. That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, I didn't have uh, Instagram in middle school, so I yeah, I don't, I don't know if I did. I think I did. I don't know. But no, I think that was freshman year of high school for me. I'm pretty sure Instagram started being a thing like that people actually used after I graduated college. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, all right, so let's talk a little hockey here. The big news of the week, obviously, was the Hockey Hall of Fame induction, which included, of course, Boston Bruins legend Jerome McGinley, uh, certainly known for his time in Boston and nothing else, um, especially after snubbing the Bruins in 2013. Not a big deal, but 
that was 2013. No, 2012. Yeah, we, we swept his ass. It was, it was the 2012 13 season. 2012 13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. And we so swept I, I, his ass in the Eastern Conference Final. We did. I, I remember that. Go to my. Yeah. I will go to you my. Can't beat grave. him. Join him. Believe it. There are two like big what ifs in my like very recent sports uh, memory that I like. <laughs> very recent, you said that was seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, like over the last decade. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I 100% believe two things. The first uh, is going to mean nothing to either of you. It's uh, a Villanova thing. Oh, I was like, there was, there was a weird. Uh, there was a weird like eligibility thing that happened with Omari Spellman. Um, and he, he was a center. He now plays for the, I, I think he plays for the Warriors now. Um, I don't know. He might've gotten traded again. Yeah. I think he got traded again. I don't know who he plays for, but uh, he, he did like extra school uh, in high school or something. And, the NCAA ruled him ineligible for his freshman year of college. Uh, NCAA being like one of the yeah. most hypocritical or, or hypocritical organizations that ever existed for years um, on the NCAA. And and Villanova was just coming off of uh, its first national championship since 1985. It was 2017, and if they had had Omari Spellman at center, I 100% believe they would have won in 2017 as well because with omari spellman in 2018 they won the national championship again as one of the most dominant teams in the history of the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. um and like being robbed of my 100 percent belief that it would have been a three-peat uh (laughs) fucking kills me and then the second thing is i know with a certainty that if jerome ginla had chosen the bruins in 2013 over the penguins they would have won the stanley cup and it would not have been close i saw somebody tweet earlier about how it wouldn't have made a difference so i I would like to hear you two like battle it out about whether or not it actually would have well who was that and why are we gonna fist fight later i i don't know i hold on let me check this before i say it because i don't know if i'm right or not but i think it no let me somebody else say something i'm gonna come back to this because i want to know yeah, I don't want to call yeah, no, out I, my I agree with you. I mean, I'm not just uh, – I don't know if necessarily it <laughs> wouldn't be close or anything, but I do think he would have put them over the edge. He was still he was still good that season with the Penguins. Um, this is my irrational confidence thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, he pl- he, he okay, played on the see, Penguins. Power that's the, I love it because Chris is the king of like the hockey is weird argument and anything can happen. And this one, he's like, no, I am 100% no, 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 goddamn I 100%. sure I would risk my fucking life for it. I'm positive. That's <laughs> well, because there's no consequence of it. <laughs> if I'm wrong, like, no, no, one, no one can prove that I'm wrong on this. So there's no consequence to making that argument. Yeah, no, I think he would have put him over the edge, to be honest. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was on that 2013 team. Yeah, I'm, Bruins, I'm looking up the roster right now. He would have slotted in great on that second line with Krejci and whoever the fuck else. And this is we're going backwards oh, no, here. No, no, but... no, they still had Horton and Lucic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they... it would have probably been Bergie and Marshy. He would have played with. Ooh, yeah. Like, Ooh. come on. <laughs> Ooh. How good would that have been? Holy shit! All right, so let's see. Uh, Tyler Sagan was playing with. Uh, Bergeron, Bergeron and Marchand, Marchand at that those point. are the days. Oh. Um, 
Nathan Horton's listed as a center on this roster. That's um, whack. <laughs> That's he, whack. Yeah. Uh, he had 22 points in 43 games, which not great, not terrible for him. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was I, the shortened season, too. Yeah, yeah it was the, the uh, asterisk. Um, yeah, honestly, I think... Uh, yeah, Yager Yager slotted in on on that right wing when the Bruins traded for him. So I think, yeah, especially when Sagan was kind of a disappointment in that postseason. I, I don't remember him having a successful postseason that year. We're we're going through HockeyReference.com right now. Shout out to them, our sponsor this week. <laughs> All right. The skinny 12 13 season, yeah, 22 <clears throat> games, eight points. Um, not necessarily indicative of how good of a player he is because you know, sample sizes, but I think everyone was a little disappointed, especially, uh, yeah, his 1.4 percent uh, <laughs> shooting percentage there. Uh, I mean, it that's that's mostly indicative of bad luck but i mean if you put tyler sagan as your third line center and and put jerome ginla either on his right wing or on the top line right wing i feel like you got enough lines to destroy any team to to be fair it's not it's not that he wasn't talented at the time. Obviously, he was. But it, it's not the Tyler Sagan we know now. It was still yeah. young well, Tyler he, Sagan, but still, believe, he was damn I believe he. Good. I believe he scored 30 goals that yeah, year. Yeah, oh, no, he was unreal. I just, you know, it's, it's obviously, like, a little different, but... Well, yeah. and he's also a natural center, so it's weird. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's weird with him on the wing. So, yeah, when you revisit that trade, the Tyler Sagan trade, like, going back and... Because I, I did do that for that article that I wrote... And and I thought about like should I really undo the Sagan trade because like it kind of worked out because they won the President's Trophy the next year with like a really balanced roster. Um, like p- people forget Riley Smith was a pretty perfect right wing on that oh, top sure, line. Yeah. Um, oh boy, Riley Smith. Riley Smith, what a guy. Yeah, I we mean, mi- we missed a- the we missed the Riley Smith episode. Yeah, I guess so uh, we can come he, back to a- it. Still a productive NHL player uh, with the Golden Knights now. Um, yeah, I mean, the I I would I, I would and I did undo that trade because I think eventually <coughs> you end up moving on from David Krejci and having Tyler Sagan as your second center, but um, just because that's more of a long term play. Hindsight's I mean, twenty twenty, obviously. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, uh, having. Like in that playoff run, having Tyler Sagan as your third line center and f- just kind of figuring it out with Rich Peverly and Chris Kelly down the line and, and Gregory Campbell and figuring out like who plays wing and who does what, uh, I think that works out better than, and, and especially if you put someone like Jerome McGinley on his line and then you have basically three top lines that you can just shuffle around anywhere. Yeah. But. Let's. We want to talk about. <laughs> we've been talking a lot about how <laughs> Jerome gave this time in Boston that wasn't. You want to talk a little bit about his time in Boston that actually was because it was still pretty. Yeah, fun he scored goal. thirty goals. <laughs> he had a good season with the Bruins. He did. He did. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, D- David Krejci. So uh, we've definitely also talked about this on the podcast, but I know not everyone listens to every episode of the podcast. So, and if you do, can... genuinely thank you. And yeah, I don't know thanks. why. But uh, thanks. Our, our Hi, mom and dad. Has... <laughs> our, our listenership has waned slightly, but I, I think it's mostly people catching up because it's uh, like we we get a lot of like we get the download numbers for like the total for the week, and it's it's always about the same. Yeah. but it's not always people listening to the most recent episodes. No, I, but uh, I appreciate people actually catching up instead of just like oh fuck it, I missed three episodes. Yeah, skip like, this shit, especially since nice, you know? a lot of our content is evergreen because we're not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> talking yeah. about. We're not doing like games. It's not current, yeah. Remember when we did that? That was fun. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like forever. It was fucking awesome. Um, but but David Krejci uh, has always flourished with a finisher. Like you put a finisher on his line, and he'll he's yeah. a great center. Uh, and Nathan Horton and, and Milan Lucic back when they were in their primes, uh, and back when Nathan Horton was physically able to play hockey, uh, neither of them were great players and and Lucic did have the ability to be a great player at times he was streaky but both of them were absolutely like you get them close to the net with the puck they can they can beat their man to the net with like using their physicality and they have that touch like when they get in there to to score and that's why that line especially in the the 2011 uh, 2010-2011 season uh, was usually considered the one A to the the Bergeron line, um, and put a guy like Jerome Ginla who has like routinely over the course of his career been an incredible finisher. Um, put even with his diminished skill set, uh, I forget how old he was at that point. Maybe like thirty eight, something like that. Sounds about um, right he he still managed to score 30 goals and it wasn't wasn't luck like the dude has that yeah. knack for scoring you don't goals score 30 goals put, luckily <laughs> I mean, and, like... and you put it but but also you you put a guy like david crazy with him and mm-hmm. and it it was kind of a perfect pairing because he went to colorado the following year and was not nearly as effective um so it kind of it kind of speaks for both of them how like the the skill had had not left him and david Krejci also just like an incredible hockey sense like that guy just knows yeah where knows the game. where his line line mates are and knows how to find them has one of the nastiest saucer passes in the league mm-hmm. um the, the guy i always compare him to is uh nick backstrom i think both of them are i, I don't I see that yeah. i don't think nick backstrom's underrated because uh, he did play a lot of his career with uh, with Alex Ovechkin, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, but I think that also kind of informs. Uh, like, you can't have one without without the other. Like, he's a, yeah. a great passer, and and if I'm sure Alex Ovechkin wouldn't have scored as many goals if he didn't have such a great passer on his line. Yeah. Um, and I don't think David Cree. I, I think if anybody like through his prime didn't want to trade Krejci for. Backstrom uh, that you'd be nuts but I, I think they're on a similar level yeah I yeah. think I think also just Backstrom is more appreciated in Washington than Krejci is in Boston um, well yeah because Nick Backstrom doesn't have to play behind Bergeron yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah no Krejci is certainly one of if not the best like playmaker uh, in the NHL throughout his whole tenure as an NHL player um, 
Yeah, just during his era, one of the best. And I, I don't want to make this into like a number retirement conversation. I don't think not his to make number, this a number retirement podcast. I but don't let's think do it. they will. Re- I don't think they'll retire his number. But like, part of me wishes they would. But part of me, I think it's just going to be like. He's one of those players you look back and you're like, but David Krejci was fucking there. Like yeah, when you no, look I, back, I agree. When people look back on like the Bruins in the 70s, obviously all of them aren't <laughs> have their number yeah. retired, but people yeah. are like fucking this guy and that guy. I think. Well, so the so the funny thing is though, we we did I, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, we were looking back through some of those seasons and. Uh, and maybe it was maybe it was when we did that episode with Nick on his podcast when we were kind of like looking through all the rosters. But I remember we were talking about like, man, I don't remember like back when Bergeron and, and Krejci were like super young dudes coming in the league. Like Krejci was the guy putting up the points. Like back yeah. when like Mark Recchi, like right around that time that Recchi like got injured and like before before that when Recky was like by far the like number one scorer on the team like Krejci was kind of bringing up that second spot like he he was at like 70 points in a season kind of deal and there were a lot of seasons I looked at where I was like wow I didn't realize Krejci was like that good back then I I think you're gonna look back 20-30 years from now into the annals of Bruins history and you're gonna see Patrice Bergeron's number retired and it's going to be kind of like what Drew said, where you're going to look back and you're going to be like, yeah, that was Patrice yeah. Bergeron, blah, blah, blah. But David Krejci played for that team, and damn, could that guy fucking play hockey. Like he, Yeah, I, he's I, been I, there the, the whole way. Yeah, I think they yeah. had like – I think that Bergeron had like one or two seasons without Krejci. Yeah, yeah. and such a capable first-line center, Krejci. And, and, and also props he to him as a Bruins fan. Well, that's true. That's true. But also props to him for sticking around. You know what I mean? He could. I'm sure he could have gotten – boatloads of well, money he elsewhere is the, he but is the highest paid Bruin right that that is true that is true but he could have I'm he sure he could have gotten more like yeah. yeah I'm sure he could have gotten more elsewhere too though you know what I mean at some point I don't, not you know in the last couple of years not that he's not effective anymore uh, he's still obviously very much is but um you know it's hard to carry two true number one centers like Bergeron and Krejci in a free agent market and they've been able to do that and the props to Bruins you know uh, management as well for that but obviously you know the, the and, players there's some credit too just like us to turn a conversation about uh Jerome Jerome <laughs> into a conversation well i about so i do want to but but before we move on from david <laughs> right, i want to say right. that something that we've mentioned on the podcast before but this is for those who have not listened to those back podcasts like david Krejci ever since uh the breakup of the nathan horton uh milan lucic line has been asked to carry a line. He put the yeah. team on and, his back, though. And the the one Ray year Jennings. he wasn't asked to carry a line was when Jerome McGinley was playing with him. And yeah. ever since then, yep. he has been he's been the guy who's been training the youngsters. Like, yeah. he, or like he's been the guy who, all right, well, we got this like kind of talented fourth liner who's just like he's not defensively responsive and responsible enough to be like a, a full time, like top six player. So we're kind of sticking him on the fourth line, but yeah, yeah he'll play up there for a yeah, while. For like, sure. <laughs> we're talking to your Carson Coolman. Yeah, exactly. And, 
like Frank Vetranos, like the, those kinds mm-hmm. of guys who definitely aren't sustainably second line players. Yeah, but the, but they have the like scoring touch and and the skill t- to be up there. Like Ryan Spooner too, kind of yeah, w- for sure. When he wasn't for sure. when he wasn't centering that third line was kind of like a hey, let's try him out on on Krejci's line and see how that goes. Um, but ne- but now you're talking about like brand new guy on the team, Andre Kasha, and like I guess Jake DeBrusque isn't like super new anymore, but it's fourth like third or fourth season. It's his third season with the Bruins, um, and. Like he's still young, he's still developing, and you're asking David Krejci to be the rock on that line. Yeah, and uh, he never complains about it. He never says like, "Hey, why don't you like Marshan and Bergeron can play? They could play with Drew Johnson on their line, and they'd be totally fine." <laughs> Thanks. What? I would love to do and that. Even better. Why? Why not put David Pasternak? <laughs> I, I might have seven or eight. I might, you know, I, I might learn a thing or two. Yeah, you'd have a couple of tucks, I think. Honestly, maybe a couple <laughs> apples too with those guys. Just fucking stand in the right spot; they'll bounce it off you. Yeah, and uh, I've I've never heard him say anything like that. And I mean, I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that he's getting paid a shit ton of money, and like yeah. that's <laughs> that's probably that's probably how he's earning his money is like, Hey David, this is, this is your job. Yeah. This is like your role <laughs> on the team. And he absolutely embraces that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine if they, they've had so many chances to pull the trigger, maybe overspend a bit on a winger for him at trade deadlines and off seasons and stuff. Imagine if they just nabbed one, that was a permanent solution uh, or you know, semi-permanent, not a guy that comes around for one or two seasons, but you know hangs in there for four or five. Um, oh, there because you I, look I think, back, there were so I think many hoping, opportunities. And so I, I think they're hoping Andre Kasha is that kind of player, and, yeah, and, and Jake well, DeBrusque. Yeah. See, that's what they. That's what keeps happening, though. They're like, okay, hope this guy works out. Or there is a very, very, very proven player. That you could nab and throw him in there with him. And I understand back then a lot, Kreider, of, a lot of the time. Kreider would have been a nice one. A lot of the time I was like against those moves in a way too because I knew you had to overpay uh, and what the Bruins likely would have to give up for that. It's going to be like another asset like on D. Like Krug was talked about a lot in some of those trades the past two seasons. And so I understand why they didn't. But just imagine if they did. What if? What if just that player without giving up one of your huge players, you give up some picks and some prospects, like decent picks and prospects at that. But uh, yeah, like fucking and like a couple of firsts. And yeah, and like you get, you get like a really solid winger for crazy. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Imagine, that would be such a good move. Like, yeah. Oh, where, where would we be now? Oh, we might be 2019. <laughs> still, still, still not playing that. hockey. That's the thing, though. Oh, Still true. not playing hockey. No, I don't think coronavirus yeah. would, <laughs> would have happened if Krejci had a solid winger. Hot take. Hot take. No, and, 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 and this 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 is like a, a legitimate complaint, but it's not like an indictment of Don Sweeney because Don Sweeney, what he's done is is try to beef up the third line in, in opportunities like this, and that absolutely worked in the case of uh, Coyle and, and Johansson. Like, those guys gelled immediately and suddenly you have three scoring lines that can help because and hear me out on this don sweeney knows that david Krejci can carry a line by himself yeah yeah if you put guys who have like a certain amount of skill a a, a certain a particular set of skills one might say uh, <laughs> nice <laughs> next to him uh then 
then you can really fill out that third line and, and balance out your team. And that that is the most credit I can give to David Krejci right now. And I, I hope anyone listening to this who has any negative feelings about David Krejci, uh, there's been a lot of negativity toward him over the past decade or so, especially considering his injury history, where he's been mostly pretty healthy over the past three, four yeah. seasons especially for like a 34 year old center like i guess he's like 33 i think i think bergeron's 34 now they're they're like a year apart Sounds about right now. but uh he like his his and bergeron's games are not predicated on speed it's it's puck control it's it's intelligence it's finesse and so that kind of player uh ages well and and i think you're seeing that now um like this this team has not regressed in any way even after uh trading away some very talented players and yeah. signing for a lot of money some very untalented players yeah. so uh and david baggage sorry yeah. <clears throat> sorry david i love you buddy but i i was thinking more uh matt Bass i was gonna say about... and jimmy hayes. jimmy hayes was the one yeah oh I, that God, was jimmy it hurts hayes. to say that name so. jimmy hayes yeah. across the sky yeah, I mean, I I, I absolutely Hendrix, anyone? would oh, never. Yeah, we we got you, Drew. But, um, <laughs> well, it wasn't funny yeah. enough to. <laughs> no, 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 not even a little bit. No. Um, I thought that no, was, was really good. The David Backus one uh, is is bad, but anytime you sign anybody in free agency, it's generally going to be bad because um, you have to overpay so much. You're competing against thirty other teams, uh, soon to be thirty two or thirty one other teams. Um, and that drives the price up. So, yeah. I mean, re- re-signing Louis Erickson would have been a huge mistake because he was way too expensive. Uh, Vancouver's paying for that right now. Um, and signing David Backus was a mistake. But, I mean, when GMs get that money, they're like, hey, we, we get this money has to go somewhere, and it's very tempting to throw it at, at other people. Jerome, 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 take your ass home. Jerome, Jerome, Jerome. So, getting back to Jerome again, <laughs> uh, I didn't know this. Did you guys know that? Uh, according to NBC Sports Boston, this is written by Haggerty. Hold on, let me check before I read it off. <laughs> I hope it's written by Ty. It is written by. Oh, Ty does a ninety-five. I hope it's DJ ninety-five. It is oh it is the greatest sports letter who ever lived. Joseph Hagg. Did you say sports letter? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. It's a sh- he, it's he a is, shot, isn't it? He is the it? greatest allower of sports of all <laughs> oh, yeah. time. He has he has allowed all of the sports, all the sports since he existed <laughs> yeah, to happen. Much as he would like to cancel to grass. Um all right, so did, why is he like the Trump of writing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is too um, much. We'll edit that. Did you guys What's know fun fact, that Cameron? Jerome Ginla uh, has retained a residence in the Boston area, according to Joe Haggerty, after his playing career, and that his two children play hockey for local Boston area sports programs? Yeah, I did know that, and I, I think uh, most boston people know that cam i'm glad that you've caught up all right yeah thank you guys i uh, appreciate it uh with that <laughs> yeah dude the, uh, it's again, been a good the, 20 the, weeks on this podcast i will now leave they're, it to they're all roommates now yeah so they 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 moved to boston uh during the 2013 season 2012 20 or 2013 2014 season and 
since then his family has lived there even after he really uh, after he played in Colorado I believe I didn't realize so um, so Drew well, I, I think his, I think his, I think he put his kids in the yeah. uh the Boston school system and decided he wanted continuity so yeah um and I think he knew he didn't Plus, have a lot of the years schools left. the schools out here it's just public education yeah. everything it's a little not to but, toot our own horns, and that's why we're so smart. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to like <laughs> toot Boston's horn either. Like, probably not the best city to live in or anything. But it's always nice when uh, when a player is like, "Hey, this is kind of where I want to settle down." Yeah, Shot Thornton, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. or is he is he permanently in Florida now? I'm, I know. I don't know. They charity. I know he lived right? in Charlestown while they were playing. And then I think I saw a quote from him at one point. He's like, I'm just going to live here the rest of my life. Like, this is like, <laughs> the vibe I want. But then he went to the Panthers. And so something tells me, once you go to the Panthers or Tampa, you kind of just get stuck there because of the location. Yeah, I'm allowed so. to leave Florida, yeah. Uh, I don't know why, because, <laughs> man, Florida kind of sucks. <laughs> it does, but It's also, a weird mix, uh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't snow, and there are beaches, and it's the epicenter of coronavirus right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's also like the most humid place in yeah no I <laughs> in our country humidity um, yeah, I can't do that I'll go yeah. I'll go for a week for vacation just living on the beach but I can't like live there and work and as a school as a California resident uh, California often gets compared to Florida uh, in, in terms of like vacation spots and like yeah for the, for East Coasters like during the winter going down to Florida it's a lot easier and like the yeah. weather's usually pretty good man down down here in Southern California uh never fucking rains uh it's never that humid and if you're south of LA and west of like the Inland Empire like yeah it never gets like super hot so i mean yeah, if anyone's considering moving to Florida because... Right, so do, do you have a spare bed, Chris? Yeah, I was like, that sounds pretty nice. You <laughs> no, I, I like... don't. We, All right, well, we I, do, see, we... I see one behind you right there. I'll sleep we do there. Have a, we do couch. have a couch. Yeah, th- this, is my, this is my bed. Oh, oh podcast um, snuggles. <laughs> but we, we have a couch that fits two people. Uh, it's a very large hey, couch. Hey, were set. Um, oh, cool, I'll take that. <laughs> so, yeah, if you, if you guys ever want to just come crash, our, our rent's not, not bad. Not because there's another person, just because I, I like the room. Our, our rent's not bad. You guys can chip in a small amount and, uh, and be Oh, no, I'm not chipping residents. in anything. I'm being a bum. You're you're paying grocery you have the job you're the you're the astronaut space cowboy a huge income and yes i have a huge income Uh, well yeah you go up to the international space station every six months and (laughs) the government employee (laughs) (laughs) i did i did just get a a i just need to get on your congratulations nice it was a it was a scheduled promotion so it wasn't like still congratulations Yeah, it it was it's a my participation f- trophy. Yeah, kind of, but like, <laughs> no I'm kidding. Congrats! Kinda, you you got to like live up to expectations to get yeah, there. Yeah. So no, congrats. Um, Cheers! Cheers! To my beer so is I'm making out, so. I'm making marginally more money than I was before, and still less money than the average aerospace engineer with a master's degree. <laughs> hey, you're doing better than us. Hey, but you're only forty-seven, so, right. so you're gonna. Yeah, get I'm, there. I'm only forty-seven. Also, I get a like an absurd amount of. Uh, I don't, I don't get like, uh, I don't, I'm not given a lot of vacation time, but I, I have the opportunity to earn an absurd amount of vacation time. So 
that's that's a flexibility. Oh, I thought you were gonna say you take a bunch of vacation time anyway. (laughs) I don't (laughs) don't technically have it. I just don't show up to work, and they haven't noted (laughs) that. So I I have the ability to work comp time, which um, basically I have a set schedule of forty hours a week, and any hours I work over forty hours a week, I can either be paid overtime, which at my current salary makes no sense because I just get paid basically like. I don't get paid time and a half or anything. I just basically get paid the same amount. Um, so the other option is to earn vacation time. And I absolutely do that every single time I work more than 40 hours a week. Uh, so <laughs> last year I, I just worked a shitload and took a lot of vacation. And shouts to the, the uh, shouts to the, to the Navy and the federal government for allowing <laughs> me to do that. Because as long as you get your work done, they, don't really care. That is clutch. That is big time. And Neil Armstrong. <laughs> and mostly Neil Armstrong, who, by the way, is Chris's personal friend. They're good. They're they're friends on no, Snapchat. That's his father. On... I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um... <laughs> okay, he was his father. Yeah, no, he actually did. Didn't he die recently? Yeah, yeah no, he did. Sorry, Rip Neil. Oh well, maybe he's not dead. Maybe we're like spreading Bill Nye rumors. <laughs> is Bill Nye your dad? <laughs> Either one. I'm, I'm looking it up. I feel bad that I don't know this. I, I feel like he did recently, though. He uh, died yeah, in 2012. 2012. Damn, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember 2012 when like was life wasn't shitty necessarily, end. constantly? Um, all right. Do we have any more hockey? You can to talk say that about, about any year. <laughs> well, so I, I did want to talk about Jerome McGinley a little bit more because um, I know it, I, I think it was like uh, last Saturday morning i was just uh i don't know i ever since this whole quarantine thing has started and uh, like i've recently not been quarantined now that i that i'm going back to work but i'm not doing anything outside of that for the most part but um i feel like i've been wasting my time i don't know if you guys feel the same way just like anything you do just feels like a waste of time oh yeah yep um, no, I, I don't have a life right now. It's it's like a very very weird guilty feeling I get when I'm just yeah. like it's it's Saturday and I'm playing video games and I'm like shit. Now it's four hours later and I've just playing been playing video games for four hours and my yep. weekend is gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, well, just I do have... that during the week too. So. <laughs> Unemployed. So I I decided to try to retrain my brain not to think that way and I just like I got a book of Sudoku puzzles and crossword puzzles. And I just sat down and I watched hockey on NHL network and just did those for like a whole day and like, just tried to make myself feel like I know how useless this is, but I'm not wasting my time. Like this is just what I want to be doing. And it's not a waste of time. And I ended up just, uh, I watched the most random games on NHL network and it, it was like a like a 2018 Sharks Oilers game where Leon Draisaitl scored the OT winner, and then followed by Game Six of the 2004 Stanley Cup Final. <laughs> Just bouncing <laughs> and, around, I love it. Um, absolutely incredible game. I don't remember watching it live. I remember watching Game Seven live in 2004, um, but that was the. Uh, Game six was the Marty St. Louis uh, overtime goal to win it in Calgary. 
And at the time, I think I was rooting for the Lightning just because, like, all right, I'm 14 years old and the Lightning have, like, a cooler jersey and color scheme and shit and, like, whatever. And I didn't really understand. Uh, to be fair, there were, like, Dave Andrichuk. To be fair. To be fair. Dave, Andr- Dave Andrichuk to was 40 fair. years old and he was trying to win his first his first Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I don't really care about Dave Andrichuk as much as I care about, uh, even though Dave Andrichuk was, was a Bruin for a while. Uh, I, I, I don't care about him as much as I cared about Jerome Ginla later on and rewatching that game six where, <coughs> uh, I mean, we, we talk about the, the Tyler Bozak trip on, on Nola Chari as being like a, a total game changer. And, but, but at the time of that, the Bruins were down by a goal. And the, like, if that hadn't been called, like, I understand that a goal was scored right after that. And it just like broke the backs of the Bruins. And it was just like, yeah, well, this game's over now. Yeah. Um, at the same time, there was no guarantee that they would have won that game if that hadn't been called because oh, they were yeah, still down yeah. by a goal. Um, it's like the Bill the, Buckner situation. Yeah. <laughs> game six, game six of, of Calgary, Tampa Bay, uh, there was a Calgary goal scored that wasn't even reviewed the only people who picked up on it were the it was the film crew for the broadcast and they were like well this is going to be reviewed and then they just faced off at center ice after calgary scored a goal or they they faced they dropped the puck at like i don't remember the exact circumstances but they dropped the puck and it was like yeah they didn't review this um Basically, what happened was that there was a, a ricochet, and someone without a kicking motion kicked the puck, and it went clearly over the line, and it was a goal, and it was to take the lead by by one goal in the third period, and no one scored for the rest of the for the rest of regulation, and it went to overtime, and in like thirty seconds of the second overtime, uh, Marty San Luis scored scored a goal. Um, but if that goal had been scored, there's a pretty good chance that Calgary would have won that game. And that was to win the cup. They were ahead three, two in the series. Mm-hmm. They would have won the cup at home and Jerome Ginla would have won his cup. And to me, rewatching that, uh, and getting to see Jerome Ginla, like in his, his prime. prime, uh, was pretty incredible. Like the dude was electric. Just, just watching him on the ice. Like I, I know I watched him back when I was a kid, but I obviously never appreciated him as much as I, I do now rewatching that back, back then. Um, just every time he touched the puck, it was like, wow, yeah, this guy's on another fucking level. Like him and Martin Stanley, kind of the same deal. Like those guys, like you can tell whenever they touch the puck, it's just like, yeah, the, the, these guys are like the best in the game right now. And, um, obviously incredible career for Jerome Ginla um if you look at the numbers but i mean pe- people talk about the eye test as being a bad thing sometimes like w- with like analytics people being like really about analytics but if you're looking back on someone's career sometimes it kind of divorces you from how good someone was if you don't like go back and watch yeah. how good they were at the time yeah, of their sure. prime and I, when we got to see Jerome Ginla playing for the Bruins uh 
it obviously wasn't his prime. It, it was still like a, a great, like getting to see Yarmir Yager too was really fun. Like it, those two players on the team were very fun. And like, you know, these guys are going to be hall of famers and like, just enjoy the time you have with them. But going back and seeing how fucking good compared to everyone around him, Jerome McGinley was in his prime in the playoffs uh, was a really cool experience for me. And then a few weeks later or like a, a week later, he's in the hall of fame. Um, yeah. That it just put it in a, in, into a new perspective for me. Cause I am one of those kinds of people who um, like, I, I watch a lot of hockey um, probably more than most casual hockey fans, but I don't watch like every single player. So, I mean, it, it does like just that, little thing kind of opened my eyes to, to being like, man, maybe, maybe I should make more time to like watch this player that I don't watch a whole lot. And like, I, I hear he's Connor good, but like, maybe, <laughs> well, you know I, mean? maybe like, I should, but, uh, but like the, the one that I would suggest watching, uh, or I guess the, the pair that I would suggest watching for, for people listening to this, who maybe don't watch a lot of hockey, if it's, if it's not a Bruins game. Um, and, and it may hurt cause it's, it's a couple of Rangers, but Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin are, fucking electric together and mm. uh so aside from the the mcdavid dry pair like that's uh those are the two guys that i spend most of my time on on nhl center ice watching when i'm not watching bruins games um and, and it's a little tough because they do play in the same time zone but um as the bruins i mean but uh like those two guys have have some of the best chemistry in the league and and i think they are Maybe Artemi Panarin's not underappreciated, but Mika Zibanejad definitely is underappreciated, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's a lot of fun to watch those guys. And that was talking about other players while trying to talk about Jerome McGinley. Yeah, no, that's it, that's it's a good point. It gives you kind of a new. That's uh, just, the title of this episode. Yeah, man. just a, a new perspective on on his greatness. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's his time. The Bruins is awesome, and it was great to watch, but it obviously wasn't his prime. And I think we kind of appreciated. If, him for what he was at the time, but really going back and seeing him in his like true glory days, you, you get a whole other level of appreciation for it. For glory sure, days. glory days. Yeah, that came to my mind too. That will not be our outro. Yeah, song. but but also like him playing in Calgary didn't help like a lot of American fans. Yeah, get yeah. Sure. And that's kind of that's kind of thing with the McDavid and Drysdale yeah. because even though those two guys are probably two of the best five players in the league, um, if not two of the top two players yeah, in the two league. To, two to three. Um, like. Uh, the, they still play in Edmonton on a, aside from them, a not good team. Um, and there's no reason for American networks to put them on TV other than like, hey, watch these two players. And, and the NHL has never been about promoting individual players it's always been about promoting teams because that's the hockey culture and we we talk about the insidious part of of hockey culture and obviously that's way more important than than how the league promotes its players but i mean promoting this team first attitude also directly affects the availability of players like that to the american people and i feel like that kind of that's kind of fucked up 
Yeah, during my lifetime, I feel like the only two players they've really marketed was Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, and that's it. And that's all they still do. Oh, and, absolutely. And I agree, like with the culture, it being like it's it's the sport, it's the teams. That's what it is. That in today's age, you fucking you sell the players because that's the personality. That's who people are actually going to connect to directly, and that's how you can get them on board. Like like David Pasternak. His personality is perfect for that. He's a great player. He's going to be one of the best players, if not the best player in the NHL during his era. Um, Yeah, maybe not McDavid, you know. But, like, uh, yeah, no, he's, like, the perfect candidate for them to market. They need to do more of that because if you look at any other major sport, they market their players very well. Well, I mean, there is there is Mike Trout in Major League Baseball, which is not. Yes, <laughs> but 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 yeah. to, to Drew's to Drew's point, also like marketing a player doesn't necessarily mean putting them in commercials and stuff. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Like that. It just, yeah. When when you're selling a game, yeah. Like, hey, watch this game on NBC Sports Network or whatever. Or like, hey, we got this game on NBC. It's on sunday afternoon like hey watch this game um there's you're they're not showing david posternock highlights being like hey check out david posternock takes on the washington capitals and alex ovechkin and like just showing them sniping goals from the dot like yeah yeah no it's just like hey we've got rivalry wednesday between the blues (laughs) and the red wings wild yeah Yeah, wednesday night rivalry with two teams that kind of play against each other a lot and this game doesn't mean anything two teams that play each other once a year (laughs) this game just so happens to be on a wednesday and we call this wednesday (laughs) wednesday night rivalry so here it is they they, they, i saw them do that once and it was like interdivision oh sorry inter uh conference like <laughs> I'm, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember, remember what. Like, I, I think my favorite stuff. example of that, uh, I think on Puck Soup, it was like a running joke because it was a legitimate. It was a Wednesday night rivalry between the Sabres and the Wild. And there is no bad blood between those teams. Uh, I think the best you could say is they've had like a couple players who played on both of those teams, and maybe that's the bad blood. Um, yeah, I, I just hate, I hate how the NHL promotes their players. Um, it's just NHL promotion in general is kind of poor being honest, but yes, it's it's pretty bad. Get some better marketing fam. (laughs) Come on. Um, all right. We've been going for a while. You guys want to wrap this up? Uh, see, we always got around. We didn't know what we were going to talk about, but we got around to the hockey. That's how it goes. We've been going for a long time here, fellas. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> well, well, we, we took a couple different breaks, and Liverpool was about a solid twenty minutes of this podcast. Some good stuff, <laughs> Liverpool um, largest baby. Man, once I edit all of the Liverpool time, any final words Jokes. for the boys? Um, final words for the boys: uh, eat healthy. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell your doctor if something's going bad. <laughs> Um, wear a mask. Yeah, ha- ha- good luck. Have fun. Wear a fucking mask. Are you fucking kidding me? Wear a mask. Pretend you're <laughs> pretend you're a goaltender in the NHL. Wear the fucking mask. <laughs> um, f- final final words for the boys. Uh, parsimonious. Uh, verisimilitude. Expunge. 
Exfoliate. Oh, I love the word expunge. It's so great. <laughs> I need to use that more. Fecundity. Uh, I don't like that word as much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's good. It's it good. just sounded like two swears that I won't say right now. <laughs> and then... So and it's a good Katie. word. Yeah, Fiduciary. She's always been one to censor yourself, right, Drew? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a joke. You're fine bleeping it out at some point. Uh, all right. All right. Uh, you Are guys have a song to sing out. We're going Dropkick Murphy style for Lanciani, right? I honestly do not know this version of the song. So it's pretty much the same thing. T- take it, it away, Cam. It's the same thing, but you, <laughs> you gotta go. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm. There's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of love. Walk on through the wind, walk on through rain. Know your dreams be tossed and blown. This is the movie's drop. Walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone, you'll never walk alone. Alright, cool, that was awesome. (laughs) 